morning, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get started just because uh, I know it's probably going to be a late arriving crowd because of the snow and the ice and the horrible, horrible road conditions. I think the, lit- I think the litmus test on canceling church ought to be, can your Subaru make it? If, if yes, we're having it. If not, you know, buy a Subaru or a four-wheel drive Jeep, Jeff. Either, either one, good. So... Um, so, in case you didn't know what class you walked into, it's this one, Why Do We Pray That Way? A Respectfully Honest Look at the Traditions and Teachings Around Prayer, uh, mostly with a focus on, on the traditions. And um, to, to tell you, just telegraph what I think my biggest challenge will be for this quarter, which is only 10 weeks, will be to convince you that most of the ways we pray are based on tradition. I think that's my biggest challenge. I'm not sure how I'm going to do with that. Some of you, I'll probably like hit a note and you'll say, yeah, that one. And other ones, you say like, too close, buddy, you know, back off of that thing. Um, but I'm going to try to be respectfully honest, both uh, maybe truth and love would be a better way to say that. Um, if it's a tradition, we'll stand back and look at it. We'll see where it came from. We'll say, yeah, good one. Or it's not, you know, inert or something. And someone might look at it and go, yeah, well, you know, maybe there's some room for change there and not that we're going to like write a manifesto at the end of this class and start a revolution it's just more for individuals to think about and kind of organically go away with a goal of just having a richer private and collective prayer life Um, you know maybe occasionally there's time for some new traditions to sort of be uh, rolled in we'll talk about that Um, so today's class is a lot of intro, a lot of foundational, it's a philosophy class almost, (laughs) on tradition. There's not a lot of scripture, there's a little bit, and then next week we get into some of that more. Um, And I I was going to talk about my style, but most of you know it, and most of you, if you don't know it, you'll you'll figure it out here pretty quickly. Um, Not a lot of opportunity for discussion today, a little. I'm not trying to say don't chime in. Please do, there's some really good opportunities, but... um, my, my style that I've never, ever cured is uh, over-preparation, especially for my first class, which is this one. So I've got 28 slides in about 40 minutes, which is a minute and 10 seconds a slide. Just classically bad idea. So I might skip some. Um, should, I, should I open today's class with a form of prayer that I've decided is maybe the most biblical and most in line of what Jesus did? Or would that be too soon? Uh, it's too soon. Uh, we'll, we'll work our way into that. I'll make my case and we'll do that. So let's, let's pray to open class. Father, uh, we just thank you for this day of life, which is just truly a miracle. And we thank you for your word um, and for this community that can come together to study it, Father. Pray in your name. Amen. Uh, so let's, uh, let's get started. I'm going to have to kind of jump back and forth between clicking. So you know, don't have a lot of time, but we need to sort of define what a tr- tradition is. What is, what's, what is, <clears throat> not a specific tradition, what is in general the concept of tradition? Just whatever you, th- and by the way, I, I should make sense, a lot of my slides are just about tradition, so you can take it out of a church context, family, society, um, you know, culture, so, you know, don't, don't, don't drill down on just generally what's a tradition. What is tradition? <laughs> that's, that's a really good definition. I'll talk about that later. Um, 
Where do they come from? Sure. How? How do they get passed down? Hey, guys. What? Yeah. Well, that's a that's a where they get passed down. How do they get passed down? And boom. Right. Yeah. How do they change? Or end? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about all that. So I think, I think you're exactly right. A tradition is just a way of doing things that we've vaguely decided without thinking about it in the current. They usually come from the past. That's the definition of a tradition. They, they come from the past. We inherit them through some mechanism, which is vague, and uh, we don't really ever think about them. <laughs> we really don't. I, I can prove that to you a little bit. We, we sometimes do. So let, let's keep clipping on through. So tradition, by the way, I believe is necessary, uh, universal, and just a human expression of living. I don't think we can live without traditions. I don't think there's a culture, family, um, I think the mafia has traditions. <laughs> um, every culture of all time and every family and every society and every church and every denomination has traditions. It's universal. Um, they're really important. And they're really, in the most case, valuable. Let's talk about some of that. So tradition builds community. There's not a law that says you have to have that on the fourth day of the month of July in America. But if I said, hey, let's stop doing that, <laughs> it would evoke emotion and reaction. By the way, almost all of the mountain towns canceled their 2018 Fourth of July fireworks because of fire danger. It's probably on its way out if this climate stays the way it is in some places. So, uh, we'll talk about how things change. It does build community. It gives shared experience. Traditions also provide comfort. They're a touchstone. Ah, just say it with me, right? I, you know, by the way, you all know exactly what day this is for, just like that. I didn't have to say, hey, everybody, notice the, you know, there's only one time, you know, that we put pumpkin pies next to turkeys on the table. One, twice, because we have the day of thanks, and then we have our own, but... By the way, the Day of Thanks is a tradition I'd love to talk about, but we'll cover that some other time. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, so, I mean, you know, if, if your kids come home from college or from being away and you say, hey, we're having, you know, salmon for Thanksgiving, they're, they're going to have something happen right down here in the viscera. <laughs> something is going to happen because of the power and the comfort. I know that I can count on that thing being there on that time with my family or my community or my church, and I like that. Nothing wrong with it. In fact, it's universal and a human expression. So m most traditions are never taught. Some are, like, you know, how to gut a fish or, you know, uh, skinning your first deer or whatever. you got to teach them. But s most of them are never taught. They're just referenced by example. I'm not saying that this is a tradition. I'm saying this is how we learn things about tradition. And you're gonna, I'm going to really nudge you on that in this class and say, where did you first learn this? And a lot of times you're going to say, and that's going to be exactly the correct answer. Shoulders up, hands, palm, 
a little bit of a French, like that. That's the correct answer. So, the, and I'm, I'm racing through this, but this is really important. That there's, they, they, and we'll talk about, I'm getting ahead of myself. Tradition is a combination of time and place, right? I mean, so, so you can go a thousand miles in America east and be in a different city and they'll have different traditions. I was talking to a girl from Boston this week. She works in my office and she was describing St. Patrick's Day in Boston. It's a different deal. I mean, like they, they always have it on a weekend and a Monday. It doesn't matter when St. You know, Patrick's falls. What is it, March? Thank you. See, I'm not a good Bostoner. She was Irish. You know, it's corned beef and cabbage, and like the whole town shuts down, everyone's off work. Fort Collins just canceled its St. Patrick's Day parade forever. And we're like, yeah, hmm, this isn't working. You know, um, so, so time and place, and here's the problem. The traditions that we are doing today came from a different time and often a different place. Does that make sense? So the traditions that we want to start in our time and place sometimes don't have room because they're, they're occupied by a tradition from 50 years ago in the South. Or so, I'm making things up. Does that make sense? So a little bit esoteric, so we'll move on. And here's the crux. Traditions can go from being inert to hurting. Um, blackface in our country used to be just a traditional entertainment style. And now it's very, very hurtful. Um, I've got some other examples that are a little bit closer to home, but traditions can start off, this is the respectful part, with people with good intentions, even in a church context, maybe looking at a scripture. And over time, they can be fine, and then times can change, or we sort of, we sort of keep erecting some traditions around our traditions, around our traditions, around our traditions. And they can become harmful. I'll, sh I'll show you how and why. So, this is, uh, so, 1896 was the first start of Major League Baseball. Um, we're in 2019 today. That's a long time. The first time that Kate Smith ever sang God Bless America was in 1938. That's when that song was born. On, in, 2002, in 2002, baseball started singing God Bless America at baseball. I always, I always hate my Patriot examples because you guys are going to think I'm a commie. I know it, but um, <laughs> I'm not. So here's what that means. For 106 years, there was no singing of God Bless America at baseball games. None. Zero. Um, 2002, by the way, was an extremely emotional response to an extremely emotional time. After 9-11, someone thought it would be a good idea. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. Um, how long do you think it will be till we stop singing God Bless America at baseball games? I'd go with 102. And this is the power of tradition, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. My lifetime is that long. So of my lifetime, this much of it has been when God Bless America has been sung at baseball games. Tiny. So traditions can start quickly, become powerful quickly, and cause 
harm quickly. So the God Bless America is not just sung on Sundays. At Rocky, at the Coors Field is sung only on Sundays. At Yankee Stadium, it's at every home game since 2002. And they made a policy that said you can't move from your seat during the singing of God Bless America. Now, just put the irony together. America, the land of freedom. When we sing this patriotic song, if you go to use the bathroom, we will arrest you, which happened. Yes. It's in the news. I've got it right here. We'll arrest you for violating the no movement during the God Bless America song. That tradition, not bad, became harmful in its stringentness, in its rightness. Uh, and this guy won $10,000 uh, as an award. I was like, man, you should have held out for a lot more. It's the New York Yankees, for crying out loud. Um, take them to the cleaners. So that's a tradition that started off great. There's nothing inherently wrong with it and became harmful. I'll show you how that happens in a minute. So here's a Bible verse that talks about harm in the church with tradition. I'm a, I fear that your gatherings, your assembly, your time together does more harm than good. Do you know the context of 1 Corinthians 11? What's the, what's the topic of that section? The Lord's Supper. Wait, what? It's possible to take the Lord's Supper in a way that is worse than not taking the Lord's Supper. Is what he says. Or he says he's afraid that that's happening. They were harming each other with the way they decided to implement a sacred scriptural right. You should do this. Okay, how about if we do it this way? No, 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 no. Not that way. You know, so... Putting tradition and a command together, harm was done. We have to park on this and realize that we can do that too. I'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. Um, our traditions, the way we choose to do things, are not all harmful. They have the potential to end up being bad. Not all of them, not often, but they can uh, so, like I said, they're easy to start back to, you know, 9-11 and God bless America. Super hard to end. Incredibly difficult to question or challenge um, and really hard to change because of the fact they're almost more powerful than our written law because they're sort of just held in here somewhere. It just feels right. It doesn't say what's the speed limit on this road. It says how what should I cook for Thanksgiving? <laughs> what do I want to eat? How should I pray? What should the Lord's Supper be? It actually, I think, has more power because of that than almost Scripture, if that makes sense. That's debatable, but we'll keep going. So easy to start. Another sports uh, reference. 1920, the NFL was established. In 1941, because of World War II, we got really patriotic and started singing the national anthem before NFL games. So for 21 years, didn't happen. Um, from 1941 to 2009, the players were not on the field during the singing of the national anthem. They were like, you know, lining out X's nose and doing pep talks and running their heads into each other to get ready for the game because that's what football players do. They were not present for that for 68 years. 
and then I don't know why 2009, we didn't have 9-11, but they started standing for the national anthem on the field. And so for the last 10 years only, we've had a new way of doing things. And people are hating each other when they don't follow this tradition. 10 years old. Out of a, you know, 68 years since we've been doing a thing, we changed the way we do it, and now we're killing people in a metaphorical way over it. That's just the power of tradition. They come fast, they get into our hearts, we start to think about them, and I'll show you why I think that is um, here in a minute. So here's the other problem. Uh, the decennial conference to evaluate our traditions will now come to order. Said no one ever. There is no way to sort of say, hey, maybe we should just take a break and look at some of these things. You know, so they launch, they embed, they feel right, and there's no method really short of cataclysm, I'll show you some of those in a minute, to even think about them. Not even to think about them. So I'm not saying I'm a cataclysmic event, <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying, hey, what if we did on just a rarely narrow topic? What if we looked at prayer and tradition and kind of looked at them and said, is that tradition? Is it scripture? And how do we feel about that? And just are there some other ways or are we being kind of limited by that? So there's no way to change them. So I, I, I made this up, but I'm going to stand by it You can, if you've got another way. So I think, I think traditions have this life. Um, you know, like Haley said, hey, look, what if we did it? I, I think I'll do this thing this way. We should do this thing this way. Yeah, that's, that seems good. That's a preference. We're just sort of like, yeah. And then it becomes a tradition which is like, we should do this always. And then it becomes law. And I know that, first of all, because of the New York Yankees, but because we start to make distinctions when people have other preferences. Oh, really? And then you leave it that way. And then when it's tradition, we'll say you're stupid, crazy, or a bad person. And then we'll judge people because their tradition is different. I'm really guilty of this. I will show you in a minute. I'll show you right now. So any questions on that? Is that, I mean, if I were to just put it all into six boxes, is this? <laughs> uh, think about your family traditions, like in your family. Um, I know a family, no, I'm not going to say that story because it's too close to home. Um, even where you go on Sunday afternoon for lunch typically can be a tradition. And when someone says, like joins your family and says, I don't like this place. <laughs> That's a real story. I don't want to go into it. Like, then there's like, oh my goodness. Why did this person join our family? So, you laugh because you know that finally that's like my shopping cart like restaurant after dinner like got it yes I can re I can so these so um, Captain America Civil War I open my Christmas presents Christmas Eve I open them on Christmas Day let's go after it by the way and I I repent I'm Christmas Day only to law which I taught my children <laughs> accidentally but with a lot of purposeful intent, so not that accidentally. And, and disparage those people who just can't wait because they're immature and selfish, you know. Um, <laughs> it's what I said. 
roughly. I said, because we're not those people, we can wait. And it's called Christmas, and they're called Christmas presents. So enough of that. And by the way, I came from a family. Oh, and by the way, the way we open our presents on Christmas Day, glacially slow. I came from, from, from the rip, shred, tear family. Just as soon as the kids came down and hit the presents, it was just, you know, just chaos. And I was like, no. So we've got this like super structured, hey, let's break for lunch. No joke. We have to break for lunch. Uh, so I, I took a preference, which is like, I've got two choices here, Eve or day. I take day. I said, we're always going to do it this way. And then I said, and people who don't are stupid or weak. I, I'm confessing. It's funny. Um, and then, what did you say? You said you said stupid. Oh, you're right. Malachi. <laughs> you're, I'm, so, I'm so sorry, Malachi. I would, say, I would say about people that they shouldn't do it that way because it's not as good as my way. And then my daughter went off and married someone from a different tradition. And she really struggled with judgment. I had passed it down just Thursday. Also, we eat black-eyed peas on New Year's Day. Now, I don't feel as strongly about that one. And I don't really feel like it gives me luck. Anyone from Oklahoma or Texas or the South? Anyone do this? Can you not do it? Okay. Can we not do it? I don't know where he's saying this, but cannot do it. But we don't, I'm not as judgy on this one, and I don't believe it gives me luck, and I don't care that much. So it's a little bit different of example. Oh, I also have these. Um, my watch doesn't work. Also, we have in our family this bowl. This bowl is Daniel's bowl because it's green, and his favorite color is green, and he claimed it along the line. And to this day... If we're out of bowl, Daniel doesn't live in my house anymore. If I go, we're out of bowls, and this is the only bowl left, I'm like, oh, dang. I'm going to have to eat out of a coffee cup. <laughs> because so strong is, <laughs> Daniel has the strongest list of preferences you've ever seen. And, and so, so even this bowl, the fact that I brought it here today, I'm going to have to go put it back in my car. Because he's going to say, what is that doing here? Finally, uh, our family... At the end of a movie in the theater, we watch the credits to the very end. To the very end. And we judge a little, don't we, Steve? A little bit. A little bit. Like, okay. But there could be a stinger at the end, right? You know. And, and so, yeah, I got a million of them. Um, and they're, they're lighthearted examples for sure, but, but they're real and, and not all, all that lighthearted. So traditions can change, but it's hard. So here's a picture of children from Nazi Germany, Hitler Youth, saluting the Nazi flag. I'm just kidding. These are American kids saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Because it started with something called the Bellamy Salute, which is that. This is how we used to say the Pledge of Allegiance. By the way, and again, I don't want to be a commie, but I have gotten to where I really don't get at all the Pledge of Allegiance. I think as Christians, we should kind of question that a little bit. But anyway, that's a distraction, which will make you stop listening to this point, which is, that is until World War II, 
when the Nazis brought in the Nazi salute in the 1930s, this is how we said the Pledge of Allegiance, like this. I mean, if, you, if a public speaker or politician even accidentally is waving at people and gets caught in a photo like this, <laughs> no joke, the other side will say, George Bush is a Nazi, Obama's a Nazi, blah, blah, blah. You know. it's, so, so the only thing that changed that, by the way, was a cataclysmic event. By the way, I, should, I think we should have said, we had it first. You know, you change your salute, Nazi, and we're going to come invade you and, you know, keep, but you, you can't even imagine this world, but it existed and it had to change. At Metal Ark, I just, not all of these are traditions, some of them are more methods or ministries. I just kind of put together a list of things that have changed since I've been here. Here. Um, you know, the communion table, front to back. I think it might have gone front to back, to front, back to back. I can't remember. You know, we, we dress differently than we did when I got here, frankly, on the average. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> Sunday evening worship was, you know, every Sunday evening, you know, the B-grade service, you know, the, the, you know the, the repeat of the Sunday got started for all the good reasons, lasted maybe two to three decades longer than it should have because we don't know how to stop them. And it feels wrong. So you're saying you're against coming together and worshiping twice? Well, no, I'm just saying, you know, it, <laughs> um, Christmas Eve service, not a thing, now a thing. Small groups replacing Sunday evening. The projector versus books, controversial, really controversial. I got scolded a couple times on this um, when I got back from Belgium in about 2001. Coffee, hallelujah also. E-giving, clothing bank was here, went away. Food pantry wasn't here, now it's here. The way we do special contributions, family nights weren't a thing, now they are. Trunk or treat wasn't a thing, now it is. Our Wednesday evening format, we're kind of tinkering with that to figure out what works. Uh, deacons, by the way, do we have deacons anymore? I'm just asking. Are there any deacons anymore? Not really. Are there deacons meetings? Are there deacon selection process? Did anyone notice that until I brought it up? It just sort of... Not, not, that's, you know, maybe that's the way, I don't know. Fifth Sundays, we used to have a family meeting. I could go on and on. They can change, but they usually take, they're usually slow and long and a little bit overdue sometimes. Um, we do have what? I don't know how that happens. I don't know how they come. I don't know how they go away. I don't know who's doing it. But fine, you know, that's, that's part of the mystery. Thank you for the, the, the re update. So I, I, Nathan, this is just me. <laughs> I'm going to be quick on this. What time is it? Okay, we're doing okay. So this is just because I listened to this amazing podcast recently. Um, so who's a hockey fan? Seth. What are, the, oh, sorry, that's my, uh, that's me. my timer it's 9 30 <laughs> uh, let me see if i can turn that off okay so when do you in what circumstances what are the circumstances when you pull the goalie in a hockey game perfect he he exactly recited the hockey tradition when you pull your goalie you're behind by one goal you decide to sacrifice your defensive player in the net for an extra offensive player to try to give a, an, a, an offensive barrage against their net to score a goal and hope for overtime. One minute, maybe one and a half, I'd say. So 
mathematically, someone crunched the numbers, the optimum time to do this is at 4 minutes and 20 seconds. And Seth Meyer's brain just blew up because they're like, no way. No way. Now, admittedly, I don't know how to read these lines, but you know, the, <laughs> the, the delta is pretty small, but it's there. And 420 is the optimal time. Why will no professional hockey coach ever implement this scientifically based change to the way they do things now? Yeah. Because people would say, you're silly. <laughs> and because of something and because of something in this podcast uh, Revisionist History Season 3 Episode 7 that psychologists called agreeableness versus disagreeableness disagreeableness just means that you live your life not caring as much what people think about you or judge you as agreeableness whereas that drives a lot of your decision making and so if you're paid millions of dollars and have 40,000 fans looking at you, you're probably not going to take a risk. You're probably not going to make a change. So even, even in the face of science, and I don't know if it's science. So let's, let's shift. So here's a harder question. What is prayer? Just unbible class your mind. What, if you had to tell a person that came from a non-religious family and didn't understand anything and said, what is prayer and why do you do it? How would you answer? Talking to God. It's how I talk to God. Okay. Yeah. It's I talk to God because that's a part of our relationship together. We have a relationship, and I talk to Him that way. Is that good? I mean, anyone else? Is that that's pretty good? I mean. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes there's two-way communication in our prayer. It's an opportunity to maybe hear from God as you talk to Him. Yeah. Yeah, um, and when 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 are when do we when do, when do you pray? When do you pray? Before meals only. Perfect. <laughs> only dinner. Right, only dinner. Right, never the drive-through. Never the drive-through. We're gonna we're gonna talk about prayer and food as one of our classes. What happens to unblessed food? Where does it go? Uh, and I, so. So when I say respectful, I mean, we can have fun, but I'm not trying to make fun of people that do certain things. I really am not. Um, but I think we can have fun and still be respectful. And if I cross that line, someone can tell me privately, maybe. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a really important thing. You know, we would say to that person, it's one of the most important things in my life. And, you know, one of the things we'll talk about, this, one of the things about praying before meals is, you know, if you haven't prayed yet, it's like a reminder almost. Not a bad thing, right? You know, like, wow, it's evening. I haven't even prayed to God. It happens to me. 
well, at least I've got the backstop of dinner, you know, which is fine, which is fine if that's what it takes. That's not the richest prayer life ever, but that's, it's not bad. So, yeah, it's this, it's this really important thing that God instituted. I don't know how it works. We're going to talk about how does prayer work. I don't know how it works. I do know this. I'm, well, I'll, I'll say that for another class. I'm not doing the work in prayer. I'm not doing the heavy lifting in prayer. God is doing the heavy lifting in prayer. And so that's really important. We're going to talk, there's one, one class called Prayer and Superstition, which comes down to some things. We'll talk about that. So what are our prayer traditions? We don't, we just, and again, we could be wrong on this. We could have different opinions. It's totally okay. We're just uh, seekers of knowledge and we're going to talk about some things and maybe not agree on everything. But what are some of our prayer traditions? Even if they refer back loosely to a scripture, we might still call them a tradition. Anyone think of anything? We close our eyes and we bow our heads. Traditions or, I guess, what's the opposite of a tradition in prayer? Command or a, an, an only way or the must way, maybe? You know, maybe those things are kind of in between. Jeff? The most obvious one that's kind of bothers gnaws at everybody is in Jesus' name. I, I think because we don't really know how to grasp how to do that, and so we say it. Yeah, and it becomes it becomes a must phrase instead of a posture towards God. Right, so in Jesus' name, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And by the way, all these things come from somewhere. I'll show you one example today. Yeah, Steve? Right. Yeah, I thought about not opening the class with a prayer just to sort of see if anyone noticed and decided not to. We'll just, I'll just kind of sneak up on you guys a little bit before we start doing the, the scary stuff. But um, our posture, how we, the words that we choose, the content of our prayers, the length of our prayers, the detail in our prayers, the circumstances with where we pray. Um, the amen, by the way, in, I'm not going to cover this, but in Jewish tradition, the prayer does not say amen. The congregation agrees with their amen. But, I mean, if I said, hey, how about I not say amen, but you guys do, you know, pitchforks, you know, kind of a little bit. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to judge. I'm saying these things are so ingrained with us, we don't know another way, and there may not need to be another way, and we can go back to Scripture and say, you know what, I'm okay with that, it's, you know. But let's rethink it. Like th- rethinking in Jesus' name and still saying it might be an okay thing to do. Let's rethink what Jesus' name means. And we can keep saying it, but let's not forget the meaning. Would be a good example of looking at tradition, reevaluating it, letting it sort of live, but, but sort of adding our own twist to it. Steve? I think kind of by definition, what you were saying earlier about tradition and how they become law, it's sometimes hard to extend to just step back and figure out what is a tradition and what is law. Yeah, I, I made that point uh, to someone this week that um, that's what makes them harder because there, there's not a there's not a, a law book or a written down thing. We don't even we don't even think about them. You know what I mean? They're they're so intrinsic that they're really hard to grasp. And again, that doesn't mean they're wrong. It's, in fact, it may, it may be very very right. So Scripture tells us what to do. It says do these things kind of as a part of your spiritual life. It it doesn't really tell us a lot about the how. 
the how is where we put our traditions together and we say in our time and place you know we're going to do things a certain way so in this picture you've got people and men women all races uh, a guy in a suit people in casual clothes woman with blue eyebrows other people with regular eyebrows um, am I right about that doesn't come through never mind um, it's, <laughs> but they have one thing in common they're doing things the, the same way pretty much so we, we just decide on the how in our time and place we want to pray or do the Lord's Supper. Or in Corinthians they said, let's do the Lord's Supper this way. And they made a bad choice. And we decide those things too. So we're, we're wrapping. And again, it's just the way humans organize life. So it's not wrong until our traditions have no meaning or they become law, a reason for judgment, or they harm people. Then we have to rethink them. And we usually only rethink them at those moments. So, so as I mentioned, traditions often come from Scripture. I, I, I challenge you all to find another verse beside this one for where we get bowing our heads. And, and here's my short teaching on that. We'll come back to this in another class. Sometimes I think that's all we took away from this passage of Scripture is we should not look to heaven. Which, in my opinion, is completely missing the principle that is taught in this parable of our approach to God. We've made it physical because physical can have meaning, but it's also easy. I just do this. Well, where's your... Is your but if your heart is not bowing humbly before God when you approach Him, you have missed the point of this parable. So the, the danger, and I'm not saying this is wrong, I'm just saying... I searched the entire internet for where we'd bow our heads, and this is the closest I could come. And if we take a step back from this parable about the Pharisee who comes to pray and the tax collector who comes to pray and their posture before God and their comparative religion and come away only with physical posture, we might be in danger of elevating an easy tradition over an important principle and bypassing the important principle. I'm not saying we are. We're in danger of it. Um, but I don't think there's another place in Scripture that comes close to us. But if I said, well, we'll talk about that later. Um, how did Jesus most often pray, recorded? Uh, yeah, alone. When he was praying with others, sorry, good, good point. He was alone a lot. Um, when he was with others, he's looking to heaven. He's just saying thanks, moving on. And so we essentially have decided to not pray like, Jesus for the sake of this one parable. And again, that's too simple. I don't want to oversimplify. But this is not how... He fell on his face one time too. That was in the garden. So, so this other quote, I meant, you know, so some pastors go so far as to specifically in stuff works with the words, every head bowed, every eye closed before they pray. Every head, every head bowed, every eye closed. I haven't ever experienced that. I've experienced people, I've experienced this. At a church one time, an elder was introducing a new member to the church. And in case there were visitors there, he said this. Now, I'm about to introduce a new couple to our church. And I'm just going to tell you, you don't need to clap for that. Right. Sorry, I'm from a church that does clap for new members. And if you hadn't said that, I would have committed a faux pas. 
So, so I, I mean, this, the, these things happen. I was in a Church of Christ in Oklahoma, by the way. doesn't matter. But so, you know, th- these things become law and then judgment and then right or wrong, and we need just to be careful of that. So getting close to finishing, I talked about this before, and I, I struggle with this too. So it's, here's a vital principle for this class. When we study the Bible, we have to not read a story and always say, I'm just like the good guy in this story. I would have done right in that situation. I know it. Because that's, that's probably not reflective of your life. You probably don't always make the right choice. You might not have recognized and honored Jesus when He came, just like other people didn't. You might. It's easy to say, I would have faced Goliath if I were that David, but I would have never cheated with Bathsheba. No. I would be like Mary, listening attentively at the feet of Jesus. I would have never been like Martha, who totally missed that. I would have been a thankful one of ten leper. I know it. I feel it. And more importantly, I would have never been a Pharisee. I was. I kind of joke. You know, it's almost like when we read the Bible and it says, and then the Pharisees said, and we go, boo, you know, yeah, you know, like in a melodrama. But if we can't ever see that we've got the same potential to do the same things the Pharisees did, we will miss about a third of Jesus' teachings. And just decide, yeah, those, man, those rotten. If I was an Israelite, I would have gotten sick of manna too. I know it. And I would have complained. I probably would have wanted to go back to Egypt too. I, I feel it in me. And, you know, so we have to be willing, to, as we come across Scripture, to say, could I be anyone in this story? And I do mean anyone. Could I be the prodigal son or the father or the jealous brother? Could I be all of them? Am I? Do I have the capacity? Have I ever done that in my life? We'll learn a lot more. And the reason that's important in this class, I think, is because this is what he said to the Pharisees. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. If we can't say, yeah, if we say, yeah, that's just typical Pharisee, those guys, <laughs> clueless, um, silly, I mean, <laughs> it was close, uh, we'll miss some things. I, I struggle with this too. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want this to be true of me that I'm just holding on to human traditions and, and, and overlooking the weightier things of God for sure so um, next week um, I, this is I hope to present a hundred percent of Jesus teachings on prayer in one class it'll probably be summarized um, and by the way I'm not sure everything we've taken as a teaching on prayer is a teaching on prayer uh, I'll, I'll make that clear next week but it'll be pretty uh, uh, rich with texture, uh, sorry, scripture, and we'll kind of, And it's not that those are the only teachings in the Bible, but I think they're very important. Jesus did say a couple times, he said, literally, I want you to pray this way. And in other times he said, literally, I don't want you to pray this way. I think we should listen to those. And not, not exclusively, but I think we should listen to those. And we'll look at some other things. And then we'll start getting into, after that week, uh, some more like specific dive down into some of our traditions and how they fit in. Thank you. That was a lot. I really appreciate you uh, hanging with me. Uh, that was a pretty fast clip. Any questions before we go or any thoughts that have struck you along the way? I don't mean to... we got a couple minutes maybe before we have to go. Yeah, Chuck? What's the difference between tradition and habit? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. The dif- difference between traditions and habits. Um, I thought about that. I thought about. I'll add to that uh, protocol. You know how we how we how we. Uh, but by the way, just can I take a? So in God, anyone been to a baseball stadium when they're singing "God Bless America" and people are yelling at other people to take off their hats? That drives the protocol side of me crazy. Because protocol in America is you stand and remove your hat for the national anthem only. But people get sort of swept up and they don't know the rules slash protocol on that. You know, flag can't touch the ground, blah, blah, blah. So habits are, are a good question. Do you have any thoughts on the difference there? I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not sure. Yeah, so those are really functional, I think, and they don't feel very emotional to me. Anyone else have a thought about Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the way I drive to work out of habit, I would never expect you to drive that way because why? Nicole had a comment. I'll get you, you Jeff. I think tradition has, uh, invokes uh, an emotional response versus a habit. Yeah. But it's just something you do out of not thinking. Yeah, I would say I would say true that you know that habit we sort of keep personal and you know just me, and therefore there's a lot less emotion to it. It's less right or wrong. Jeff, did you have a thought? I think you're kind of what Heather said, and habits are typically personal. Traditions are passed on, and those are generational, or something you pass on either horizontally or vertically. Right. But um, I, I thought you brought up a good point in, in discerning what's tradition and what's law or what's scripture. Whether you're dealing with maybe the Constitution or maybe dealing with the Bible, I think we're so aware of our ability to fuzz Make, make that fuzzy that we, uh, in a very unnatural way, will attach our traditions to scripture, to constitution, to law, in a way that begins to make sense to us. And so, for me, I've had to, I've, a lot of my life, I've had to try to unlearn the way I learned some scriptures because I, I can't see them in a normal way. Right. I'm, they, messed, they, they were too messed up for me. Yeah. That's a really good point, and, and, I'll, and I'll close with this, and I'd be happy to talk to any of you afterwards or have thoughts with you. It's almost like this. We inherit a tradition from somewhere, and when someone questions why we do it, especially religiously, we go back to Scripture to justify it, even though it started with us not as, you know. You know. So we, we go backwards a little bit, kind of, and, and we have to rethink, we have to look at things fresh, you know, which is hard to do. Really appreciate you guys getting out on a cold day. You're great uh, Coloradoans. Um, yep, you, you earn your living Colorado stripes. I look forward to this class, and it's a 10-week class. We have nine more weeks. Thank you.